when it comes to the Milwaukee Brewers, I, I just read this and I was like, wow, no way. The San Diego Padres are the only team this year to have six stolen bases in a game, and they've already done it twice this year. That's 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 how you win games, right? You manufacture stuff. You like you think outside the well, not think outside the box, but you you kind of just do stuff, right? And not just sit up on the plate and strike out every time. Don't you think? Well, I think it's when you've watched some of these recent series against the Milwaukee Brewers. I think it's showing you that being able to manufacture runs, not necessarily playing small small ball, yeah, but being able to put pressure on major league teams. You can still win games that way. Yeah, totally. Look at what the Padres did. Padres didn't even hit a home run last night. No, they had seven, and they got seven runs. Five of San Diego's stolen bases came with burns on the mound, too. Padres, again, like I said, the only team to steal six bases in a game this season, done it twice. No team has had seven steals since Washington did it against the Cubs on uh, June 27, 2017. And you can also say that them putting the pressure on the Milwaukee Brewers also put pressure not only on the pitchers, but the catcher, Omar Nervaez, who we know defensively has struggled, even though this season he's thrown out runners at a decent clip. Yep. But last night, it was it was in both the pitcher and the catcher's head. He couldn't catch the ball cleanly on some of them, and he was rushing because they were getting decent jumps off the pitchers. And th- what they were doing is putting pressure on the Milwaukee Brewers in their defense. Yeah. Well, Corbin Burns, five stolen bases on Burnsy when he was on the mound. What the F, dude? So, Which is also kind of weird because Corbin Burns, if you've ever noticed, when he went to that uh, fab lab the and they fixed lab. a bunch of stuff, he never goes into a windup. He's always out of the stretch. Yeah. So what the heck? So, I mean, he should... He's always in the stretch. He should be used to being able to go quickly. Yeah, totally. So San Diego entered the day yesterday... Leading the majors with 50 stolen bases. Now they're at 56 after last night's affair. So they're just manufacturing runs while the Brewers can't even manufacture a freaking more than two hits. It was uh, interesting last night for the crew. So, I mean, Rowdy, what you said earlier about Burns, uh, I mean, we shouldn't be concerned about Burns, but he was due, you would think, eventually, right, for a kind of a bummer, and it wasn't well, really a bummer bummer. you me that his worst start of the season is going to be six innings, four earned runs, and three walks, and we're going to be complaining about it, I'd laugh at you. Yeah, and this I is mean, what we're doing now, kind of. It was mostly this, I mean, well, it was mostly the Brewers' offense. When Corbin Burns was in the game, the game was still close. The game was still within reach for the Milwaukee Brewers. It's not like it was 10 to nothing. Yeah. And then after Burns left, then it was, you know, kind of fell apart after Well, that. how about them calling up uh, Eric Yardley, and I believe it was David Stearns who had his little presser after, you know, they made some of their uh, roster moves, roster decisions, and talked about how they're going to be depending on Eric Yardley moving forward. It was a guy that got absolutely uh, blown up in spring training. <laughs> it was a guy that got uh, blown up early in the season until he went on to the disabled list with an arm soreness or whatever it was, yeah. and then has returned and continued to get blown up. I mean, the guy was really good for the Brewers in two months last year, but outside of that, struggled a little bit in San Diego before finding his way to Milwaukee and now is struggling big time in Milwaukee year two. Yeah. And his yards in his name. You ever hear of a, of a hitter going yard? That's what they do with Eric Yard. Lee. And that's part of the reason why, once you make that trade, 
Because that's probably like a Rasmussen role right there last night. Sure. Why you make that trade, why you're relying on uh, Perdomo, why you're relying on Yardley. And Rowdy, speaking of uh, getting recalled, how about this? Up next, the rubber match tonight, 640 at AmFam Field. Eric Lauer recalled from Nashville. Yeah, later, later I want to talk more about Eric Lauer. Yeah. Oh, and you also brought up something um, in the first segment of the show that we were going to talk about. What was that? You said you 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 dug deep. Was it defensive stats? Yeah, the Milwaukee Brewers and their defense. So we so, were sold the bill of goods that the Milwaukee Brewers yeah. were going to be super good defensively, right? So I want to talk about that coming up, too. So write that down. We're going to talk Eric Lauer and the defense of the Milwaukee Brewers on the way. But some moves yesterday. Uh, Tyrone Taylor optioned to AAA Nashville. Infielder Jack Hager was claimed off of waivers from the Mets and assigned to Nashville. And again, if anyone has anything at all on this new prospect the Brewers traded for, because David Stern sent outfielder Billy McKinney, who was DFA'd on Saturday, he sent Billy McKinney to the Mets, traded for a minor league pitcher, left-handed pitcher, Pedro Quintana. Here's all we know about Pedro Quintana. He's 17. He weighs 165 pounds. He's 5'11. He's a lefty. And that's he was signed it. in 2001 out of Venezuela. He's Venezuelan. He was, a, he was assigned to rookie ball in the New York Mets. Wait, not 2001 route. He wasn't even born. Sorry, he wasn't born. 2021. I mean, he would have been he would have been negative three when he was signed. But yeah, 2021. Yes, signed in 2021. And then assigned to rookie ball for the New York Mets, but has not played one game. That is literally all we know about him. Rowdy, how long did you st- how how long did you take last night trying to find information on this cat on the interwebs? Probably about ten minutes. And you didn't find a single thing. I also could not find anything. I'm- well, I went to all the big I went to all the big ones where you'd find stuff, and none of them had anything. <laughs> Nothing was there. <laughs> so <laughs> your ML. MILB.coms, your baseball references, your quick Google searches, your yeah, nothing really came up with anything more than what we just said. I'm gonna I've been even Google I've been trying to find Venezuela baseball stats and it's Well if the, if you were looking for that, you could find that on uh, baseball reference. Oh, okay. So you can't and even it's find not that. even on there. You can't even find that. Those can I like hack into Venezuela's own like servers and try to find it? Because my god, it's you can't find anything on the kid. Where, I don't know if Venezuela. Russia? I don't know if Venezuelan baseball has the servers. <laughs> I was gonna say, where's a Russian when you need him? I need to hack in. We need to hack into the servers here of Venezuela and check it out. Rowdy, it's time. Uh, you had said I did a little deep dive on the Milwaukee Brewers defense and also talk about Eric Lauer. Well, tonight on the mound will be Eric Lauer getting called up from Nashville, AAA. He's going to start for the Brewers. He has a 1-1 one one record with an ERA of 2.81. Lauer uh, actually pitched for the Padres from 2018 to 2019. And uh, so he's did a little familiarity, old friend. He's so Dodger whisperer. Rowdy, what's the skinny on Eric Lauer now coming back? Well, first off, you mentioned how Eric Lauer was a San Diego Padre in the past. If people remember correctly out there, Eric Lauer was part of that uh, Trent Grisham and Zach Davies deal that sent those two over to San Diego for Eric Lauer and obviously uh, Luis Urias. That was the trade made, what was that, right before 2020? Yeah. It was right before the the COVID and everything like that. The Rones. Well, when they made the trade, I actually didn't mind the trade. I I thought it was a, a decent pickup at the time because you looked at Eric Lauer in 2019 
was the Padres opening day starter. <laughs> and, and he was the opening day starter as a 24-year-old guy. Crazy. So extremely young. And it was just his really his second season in the big leagues. Yeah. And then you looked at what the what they were getting in Urias. And Urias at the time was 21 years old. He was kind of like the same spitting image of Orlando Arcia. And you were hoping that once he got to the big leagues, he'd be able to hit. So I like the upside because you were trading away Trent Grisham, who at the time, the Milwaukee Brewers outfield continued to just be uh, filled with, with good talent in the outfield, both in the minor league system and at the major league level. For shizzle. And then you had Zach Davies, who was uh, you know, pretty inconsistent. Sometimes he'd look great. Other times he'd get shelled. Yeah. So I liked the upside of the trade at the time, but you can say that pretty much since the trade and since COVID hit, nothing has went to uh, – worked out for the Brewers. No, nothing's worked out for what the plan was going to be. <laughs> if you remember, Eric Lauer was the guy that was pitching pretty well in spring training, and then they shut down spring training. Yeah, last year. <clears throat> last year with the COVID when, when spring training was with shut down. Thrones. He was throwing the ball pretty well, and then all of a sudden it was, wasn't it like his girlfriend or fiance? It was or like his friend's friend or something got COVID, so he was like yeah, high okay, contact crazy. tracing. Yeah, so it was high contact tracing where he couldn't come to summer camp at first, and then it was like, okay, well, he's ready to come to summer camp, and it's been, because that was when it was like, yeah. if you're even near someone that's even been you're out for like two weeks. Yeah, you're done, even though if you don't have it. And then if you I like shower and bathe with a mask on. Yeah, don't quote me, but then I think it was something like he was getting ready to come back, and then he got then he COVID. Got the runs. Or, there was something, something weird. Like that, it yeah. was like back-to-back, where he pretty much missed almost all summer camp. Yep. And then... And he was balling at it, too, and then... And then there was no minor league system, so he couldn't come back and play. So he was at the alternative site where it was like literally playing simulated games, which is just like a glorified practice. Yeah. And then they tried to pitch him last year a few times and he got absolutely shelled. <laughs> and it, it was just a big mess. And I know he's talked about that with some of his pressers and comments to the media about how he just wasn't right last year whatsoever. Well, he never had, yeah, to your point, he was never given the opportunity to do it because it was all shut down. Yeah, and now that he said he's starting to feel better, now there's a minor league season, so he's gotten some uh, starts in the minor leagues, and that's what I kind of wanted to talk about. Eric Lauer looks like he's back to uh, some old form in the minor leagues if you've caught up to see what he's been doing in Nashville for the Nashville Sounds. The Sounds, not sound. <laughs> okay. Sounds. Yeah, Mandela Mandela effect. All right, so Rowdy, get us caught up on the Eric Lauer experience down in the Nashville Sound. But yeah, his his one start because obviously we've seen him both uh, at the AAA level and the major league level for the Brewers this year. But his last start, which was in AAA for Nashville, went five innings, struck out twelve, gave up just two hits. He was balling, throwing that heat. And we saw him earlier this year with the Brewers, and he threw five innings both starts and looked pretty serviceable. If you remember in that uh, four-game series where they took three out of four from the Dodgers, he was one of the starters in that. That gave him a really nice start. Yeah, and uh, fire flame spitter. Eric Lauer is one of those guys where he's under. Con- he's a young guy. He's under contract for the next foreseeable future for the Milwaukee Brewers. And if you can get the Eric Lauer version of 2018 or 2019 when he had just busted onto the scene in the major leagues, basically his first 50 plus starts in the majors. Yes. 
you're going to like what you have in a, in a left-hander who doesn't necessarily throw hard, but he locates well and has good movement, and he's got a lot of variations off of his pitches. Where Could you imagine if you get the the version of Eric Lauer from 18 or 19, mm. which was a guy that was roughly a 500 pitcher with an ERA in the low fours yeah. versus on top of that, you have Brandon Woodruff as your one, Corbin Oof. Burns as your two, Oof. Freddie Peralta as your three, Oof. and then you have Eric Lauer and Adrian Hauser as your four and five. Yeah, talk dirty to me, Rowdy. That pitching rotation all of a sudden <laughs> becomes really, really, really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah no doubt about it. And right now we've seen that they're kind of missing that fifth guy. Brett Anderson has been injured. Lynn Bloom never really was able to hold any type of a job through spring. Any spot starter they seem to, to rely on. Is he still down? In no, he, he pitched last night out of the bullpen. Yeah, I was at trivia. I didn't pay attention. But uh, <laughs> he, he never really came to be, obviously, and that was a good call because he's gotten lit up out of the pen. All of the spot starters that they called on, whether it be Brent Suter, whether that be Alec Bettinger, whether that be Jordan Zimmerman, has not panned out. So I think if Eric Lauer can give them anything, it's going to be big. Yeah. And bigly. And in the foreseeable future, because you have all those guys locked down for like the next two, three, four, even some of them five years. Yeah. So, I mean, that that's a huge pro for the Milwaukee Brewers. And I think we're going to start to see Eric Lauer get back into the swing of things here. I mean, he's appeared in four games this season, two starts, went 16 innings, given up just five earned yeah, runs. Yeah, he's good. He he's good. got a whip below 1.2. He good. He good. All right, so there you go. Rowdy taking the skinny down on uh, Eric Lauer right there. Good to have him back. But, yes, let's see what he does tonight facing his former team, old friend, Eric Lauer. So, Rowdy, I love the skin you give on him. And, RJ, I know you have a good connection with the research department as well, but Rowdy beat the research department kind of to their job last night, and I'm trying to do it too. <laughs> if you could put a little birdie in re the research department's ear to help us out here, we are still trying to figure out, speaking of pitchers, the 17-year-old Venezuelan left -handy, or lefty, Pedro Quintana, who Billy McKinney was traded for for the Mets organization yesterday. We Rowdy stayed up scouring the interwebs last night. I did it this morning. Research department scratching their head. We need RJ to maybe like know, motivate the research department or something. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. This Pedro Quintana from Venezuela is literally. I wonder if he even exists. I haven't even seen a. <laughs> I haven't even seen a picture of he's, him yet. He's a fugazi. He's a, Rowdy, have you even seen a picture of him yet? I, I found his weight and his height. Have you found a picture of him at all? Um. Well, I found some pictures with a. Guy that looked younger, like he could be from Venezuela. Yeah, but I can't confirm that it's actually him. Oh, here, I mean, here is. I found one picture. It's it's very blurry though, like the Sasquatch photo. You know that photo in the Sasquatch from oh, back yeah. in the day is like walking. Dude, this guy might not be real. I don't know, and he's got a. It's very blurry. He's got a. He has a mask on. He definitely looks like a little kid. This could be anyone standing up here, though. He looks like a little. Kid. This could be anyone standing up here with a mask on. It's all blurry and grainy. You can barely, you can't even see, you can't even really see his eyes. He just, it, I don't know. It's like the Sasquatch photo, dude. It's like the Zapruder film. It's all grainy, all blurry. No one knows. I don't even know if this kid's real or not. All I know is Billy McKinney was traded to the Mets, and we got allegedly a 17 year old prospect who's a lefty from Venezuela who has not, who literally has nothing to his name besides he's. He's 165 pounds, and what is he, 5'11", is what I said? That's all we know. That's all we know. Need the research <laughs> department on it.
They are just, I see them in the room right now scratching their heads, and one of them scratching their butt. They don't even know what's going on. All right, so, Rowdy, you want to talk some Brewers defense then coming up? I know you did a deep dive for it as well. Because it's not good. Yeah, it's going to be a little depressing. <laughs> hey, well, if, uh, if anyone can find out information about this, uh, Pedro Quintana, maybe they can turn our frown upside down. He's like the next Cy Young, hopefully. Well, right now, jury is out. Well, you did a deep dive on the Brewers defense, didn't you? Well, okay. Because so, they were pretty sloppy last night. Only one error, but they were pretty sloppy looking last night. So going into the season, what were we sold? It was, oh, we have all these gold glovers everywhere, right? You have Colton Wong. It was the bullpen him. was the best, and the defense was awesome. Yeah, Colton Wong, you signed him. He was a gold glover. He's going to be your second baseman. It allows Keston here to go to first base, where obviously he was a he was definitely a problem at second base with the glove. Yeah. You had Lorenzo Kane rejoining the team. Gold Glover. You had Christian Yelich in your outfield, former Gold Glover. You had Jackie Bradley Jr. joining your outfield, arguably one of the best outfielders in baseball, Gold Glover. Yes. That's four Gold Gloves, obviously the entire outfield. Then you looked at the rest of the infield outside of Colton Wong, and you're like, okay, well, Keston here is going to move to first base. He's going to figure it out. He should be fine. Yeah, well, limit then, his errors on first. And then your shortstops going into the season were Arcia, who you know was going to be good and sure-handed. Great and glove. Urias, who also was known for being a good defensive shortstop and sure-handed. Mm-hmm. And then third base was, well, Travis Shaw, who's a plus fielder. He doesn't have great range, but what he gets to, he makes plays with. Mm-hmm. And then you had the ca- the catching position where it was Manny Pena, known good defensive catcher, and then obviously... Omar Nervaez, which was, we all knew he's a hitting catcher. He is statistically one of the worst defensive catchers. Well, when you look at what the Milwaukee Brewers did last year, last year they had Avisel Garcia playing center field. He's, you, a, he's a little bigger boy, you too. You had Christian Yelich coming off of his worst defensive season in 2020. Uh-huh. You had Keston Hira playing the majority of the games at second base. Mm. First base, that wasn't the greatest either. No. Your, your third base, it, there was a lot of bad play for the Milwaukee Brewers last year. And a lot of guys... Who's even on first? Was it uh, Vogelback and Braun? You had Braun, you had Vogelback, and... Um, Who else was throwing Justin in there? Smoke. Oh, yeah, Justin Smoke. Which, I mean, that that's a whole other subject of the terrible pickups in 2020 for David Stearns. Right. But... Uh, Forgot about Smoke. You look at some of the guys that were playing in the infield and you're like, man, that team compared to the names and the statistics that this team is supposed to have, you go, wow, they're way better defensively. That's what we all were were sold. I mean, everyone with a pulse would have thought that. Yes. Well, last year, the Milwaukee Brewers averaged .56 errors a game. So a little more than half an error a game. .56 a game. 2020, 0.56. Yep, and that was in 2020, and their rank in 2020 with with that was right about middle of the road. Okay. So they were middle of the road. They were all right defensively. Middle of the road defensive team. Not too bad, especially when you have, like we said, some of those guys playing in positions where they're playing, right? Yes. Well, now this year, they are now averaging 0.65 errors per game. So it's up almost a tenth of an error a game, which is 
now good enough for being ranked 22nd oh in baseball. Oh, my God. So, Rowdy, last year— They've gotten worse. So, as, as abysmal as last year was, right? I know they still made the playoffs, expanded playoffs. They were, uh, what, uh, you know, below 500, still snuck in. But there's no expanded playoffs this coming year. And as bad as the offense was last year and we thought the defense was, it was .56 errors a game, right, for the Brewers last year. And their offense was averaging how many runs? 4.1. 4.1. So this year, obviously a full season, not expanded playoffs. The Brewers are worse defensively. What did you say was point six? Yeah, by almost a tenth of an error a game. And last time I remember, we were talking about the Brewers' offense of what they were generating runs. Now, last night they only have two hits. One of those hits was a home run from Travis Shaw in the seventh. Well, I have that for you. They are now 27th in runs per game at 3.75. So they're worse defensively and offensively than they were last year. And last year we wanted to take everything we saw, uh, use the men in black, little uh, mind eraser on us and forget about it. They're worse defensively and offensively this year? Yes, for runs per game and errors per game. Oh, They my are worse. God. But yet, they were a team that if they had played 162 games last season, I know they finished just two games under 500, which was good enough for that eighth spot in the NL. Yeah. Obviously with expanded playoffs. But I think if they played 162 games, that's definitely not a team that finishes only two games under 500. No. I think that's like a 78-76 win type team. Now, we're playing a full season this year, and they're about a 500 team right now. But the numbers are worse because obviously the starting pitching has been so good, but even the bullpen has been a lot worse. Yeah. But when you when you really dig down and you really dig into it defensively, you get some stuff where some of it you go, oh, that makes sense. Or other things that, on the other hand, you go, that doesn't make sense. So we talked about the gold glovers that they acquired. Obviously, they got Lorenzo Kane back. You have Jackie Bradley Jr. And Christian Yelich came back. Avisel Garcia, who is still a decent fielder, but he's no longer playing center field. Yeah. Between those four in the outfield, now granted, if outfielders have a ton of errors, you really have issues. But between those four, there's only one error. So it's not coming from those guys in the outfield. Well, how many does the Urias have? Nine? And then when you look at the <laughs> other sorry, gold glover, the, the other gold glover who was extremely good in Colton Wong, guess how many errors he has in the infield? How many? How many jump? Oh, he has zero. Okay. But how many jump throws have you seen Colton Wong make or tough spinning throws and they're always right on the money and on always. time? Well, he's a baller. He has no errors. He's He's been perfect over there at second base. So it's none of the gold glovers that have been the issue. But do you remember last year how well, we all know Manny Pena is the defensive catcher, yeah. but he, he lost time because he... Um, his knee injury. Yeah, he sprained his MCL and ACL. Yes. So he didn't even play a decent amount towards the end of the season with that. Well, he only has one error this year. Omar Nervaez is the one that's got three errors. Well, he was brought in to be the hitting catcher, right? Exactly. Not, not known for his defense. But his defense has been even a little worse than what they anticipated it was going to be. What's he at? And and a lot of the things with Omar Nervaez, I think more so than just the errors, because he's got three errors to Pena's one, Yeah, is, is like the little mental errors, right? Where it's like, Okay, all of a sudden now it's technically a wild pitch, but we know Manny Pena is going to block it. Where they're taking bases on Omar Nervais. And we've seen that 
many of times so far in the first couple months. But the other big thing was, remember in that first month when the Brewers were getting pretty hot at the end of April? Yes. And we were talking about how Omar Nervais was throwing out 50% yeah, 50% of, runners, of the runners, just, which is insane, just by the way. Just them down. Pop, I mean, pop, 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 if, pop. if you're above 30, you, you feel pretty good. 30 to 40. Yeah. He's now dropped all the way down to 23%. E- so, that, I mean, that, that's... That's no bueno. Obviously showing you that he's not the greatest defensive catcher. So what you're trying to say is the Brewers need to get better defensively and offensively, that way they can start winning some games. Well, when you look at where some <laughs> of the where you look at where some of the other errors have come from, Keston Hira on there. Yeah, he's at tough. first base. That's but it hasn't been with the glove. It's all throwing. Yes, throwing. And errors. it was mostly throwing to second base. Yeah. And then the the other two big ones that stick out to you when you look at where all these defensive woes are coming from. Obviously, it's Arias who has nine errors. He leads the team, and he leads the team by far. Mm. Who is supposed to be a sure-handed infielder. Yeah, it's more and, mental for him. And the other one, which was really surprising to me, because I feel like this one's way under the radar, Travis Shaw has five errors. Yeah, that's that's something that you, no one really brings up. So when you talk about all these guys that were supposed to be above average, you've gotten it from the outfielders and your second baseman, Colton Wong. But, I mean, really, outside of Narvaez and Keston Hira, not only has uh, Luis Rios struggled defensively, but sneakily so has Travis Shaw. Yeah, it goes flies under the radar. So does, and the thing you brought up, that Fernando Tatis Jr. has how many more errors than Luis Rios? Now, Tatis Jr. has 12 errors this year. No one ever talks about that. And if you remember correctly, well, people could say, oh, well, he plays more than Rios. Well, Rios... Outside of the first couple of weeks before they traded Arcia, he was playing a decent amount. Tatis Jr. was on the oh yeah, uh, on the, the IL, IL, if you remember correctly. So he's missed time too. Yeah. But it all in today's baseball, it all can be hidden when you can hit the ball. Exactly. All right. Wow. Look and at Rowdy. Brewer, and the Brewers have not hit the ball. They have not. Wow. Rowdy diving deep right there. One of the surprising things was, and especially according to comments from head coach Matt Lafleur is that none of the Packers' wide receivers were there. Five of the six were MIA, absent from OTAs. It, no Devontae Adams, no Marquez Valdez-Scantling, no Alan Lazard, the Lizard Man, no Equimania St. Brown, no Devin Funches. And I think you brought up uh, one of the most important questions. Is Devin Funches ever going to step on uh, a practice field for the Green Bay Packers? This guy obviously sat out last year, and then he took a pay cut, to stick with the Packers, and still is not here. But check this out. So a portion, obviously, of this offseason is voluntary. And, yeah, a large number of players don't do it. It's kind of the first time that Rodgers did not show up to do it. In fact, I just saw a flash on the TV that Tom Brady was not showing up to his OTAs. But check this out. Like, if you're a guy like Devin Funches, who has now taken less money to stay with the Packers. So by not showing up, Devin Funches lost a workout bonus of $50,000. Okay, that, I mean, that's that's still a lot of money. And when he took a pay cut to stay in Green Bay, it's like, okay, well, you're you're leaving more money, a bigger percentage on the table. But did you see this? Devontae Adams, he also forfeited a half a million dollar workout bonus by not showing up. I think same as Aaron Rodgers, correct? Yep, that's the same number as Aaron Rodgers. Because there were 19 Green Bay Packers that had uh, workout bonuses in their contract where they had to be there to get paid. Yeah, so... With these people not showing up, not all of them have you know these workout bonuses, but a lot of the big dogs do. And here's the thing: Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, half a million dollars they both forfeited. 
Devin Funches forfeits $50,000. Now, for Devin Funches and Equimania St. Brown, these are two guys who have not played football in quite some time, right? Uh, Devin Funches especially. As you would think that as they're battling for a job in training camp, the ability to, oh, I don't know, get reps in this offense would seem like a good thing, like it'd be invaluable to do, especially when you didn't have any of this last year. So no Aaron Rodgers, Rowdy, that's not surprising, right? But when when you see that five of the six wide receivers weren't there and Matt LaFleur says it was a surprise to him, what's what's what do you think? Is this just, oh, it's voluntary OTAs, who cares? Or is this going to be a, a bigger problem moving forward? In a normal year, I would say, oh, this is normal OTAs, who cares? Right? Mm-hmm. Because if you don't want to show up, you don't have to show up. Voluntary. Even if it's in your contract that you get paid for it, but it's a, it's voluntary, and you don't want to go, you want to forfeit the money, that's right in your contract to do so. Now, don't you think it would be a good thing, though, to be like a, a the ultimate team player and build chemistry and rapport by, oh, I don't know, showing up to these events? To be completely honest, when you get to this level of football, no, for for what is the camp like three four days? So if you're a, if you're like a big dog like Devontae Adams, it doesn't matter. I I mean I don't think it's really going to make the difference. But if you're like a rook coming in or a guy that you know is fighting for a spot, it behoove you to yeah. be there. But if you're the Devontae Adams, Aaron Rodgers, <laughs> these two three four days isn't going to do anything. Yeah, it's not going to move the needle at all for you. Mm, show up for ninety minutes uh, out in Green Bay or stay in Hawaii and party. Yeah, and if and if you really wanted to forfeit the money, then. So be it. It's in your contract to do it. It's voluntary for a reason. But I think that that's the the easy surface answer, right? In right. a normal year. Yeah. But uh, when you talk about a year where the only thing since the basically the Packers lost in the NFC Championship game to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers has been Aaron Rodgers and his future, and then all of a sudden uh, draft day comes around and all of the stuff gets blown out of the water where it's like, okay, Aaron Rodgers wants to be traded. Aaron Rodgers wants out of Green Bay. There's a rift between Aaron Rodgers in the front office and Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy and Matt LaFleur and and everything that got brought up. But um, I think the biggest thing here is, do you think the receivers have kind of band together to uh, yes. almost show uh, not to not show up for their quarterback. Yeah, I th- I think they're banding together to say I'm team Rodgers. I'm not team <sighs> front, up, front front office. office. Front I'm not team Brass. Team Rodgers. Matt LaFleur was surprised. I'm going to play comments from him coming up. So Rowdy, we're going to we're going to hear comments from Matt LaFleur. I mean, I don't to your point though. I don't really care if Rodgers says I'm not coming to voluntary workouts. In Green Bay, I'm rather party in Hawaii. It doesn't set a good precedence, though, when he's been there every single time until this year where you have all those rumors. Yeah, you have Rodgers, who's always done it before, isn't doing it now, and then you have all these rumors floating around that he doesn't want to come back and wants to be traded, and then you have his wide receivers and other players backing him, obviously, on Twitter because they have each other's backs, and then them not showing up. It's a little concerning. Conspiracy theory. So obviously it's it's the top five wide receivers. Obviously they're going to be some of the closest guys to Aaron Rodgers, right? Yeah. And we already mentioned how Devin Funches sat out and completely missed. Well, he got his little stipend for sitting out with COVID in 2020. 
Well, he already restructured his deal, so he's losing more money there. And now he sits out and loses 50 grand. Conspiracy theory. Since the most that anyone was paid out over that time was 500 grand, and that was Devontae Adams, the majority of the rest of them would probably be around 50 grand or less. Yeah. Aaron Rodgers paid for them to skip it. Because <laughs> I mean, if you can buy a if you can buy a Malibu mansion for twenty six grand in cash, yeah, I think you can front like no, a Robbie, million dollars between it, five. It guys. wasn't twenty six grand in cash; it was twenty six million dollars in cash. Twenty six million in cash. Yeah, you can definitely flo- you, you can definitely you can float front that money about a million dollars on five different guys. It's probably less than a million dollars. Well, and we're not even taking into account of Rogers' uh, endorsement deals. No, yeah. He, what is he worth? A hundred and what did I, I looked it up the other day? Was it one hundred and twenty million dollars net worth? Something like that. It's chump change. We'll come right back. He actually paid them to not show up. That'd be wild if that broke. I know it's not Friday when we do a conspiracy theory Fridays, but conspiracy theory Wednesday. I like your little conspiracy theory. Well, if you think about it, it's five guys. Devontae Adams is worth five hundred thousand in workout bonuses. The other four combined are probably about two hundred grand, so that's seven hundred grand total. If you confront twenty six million for a Malibu mansion in straight cash, you confront seven hundred grand to say, "Hey, you're my guys. Let's sit out and make a point." Now, none I'll of that's confirmed you. or anything, but that's a little hot take from my guy Rowdy over there. But here's the thing on the wide I receivers. I wouldn't put it past him. I just saw more pictures of uh, over the break there. I saw whoever he's on vacation with. It's another actor and his girlfriend. That Miles Teller. Yeah, Miles Teller. Um, his girlfriend's posting a bunch of pictures. They are having their best life in Hawaii as. Some of the Packers are reporting to camp to uh, you know or OTAs to get practicing voluntary. So the wide receivers didn't report. Five of the six were not there. It was a surprise to head coach Matt Lafleur. He was like, "Yeah, I don't really understand how this happened." Uh, let's see here, Matt Lafleur, right here. It would have been nice to see more of the wide receivers. He said. Uh, camp here you go yeah i think as a coach you always want as many guys that choose to show up here you know we you talk about i think uh, there's a lot of team chemistry and just which is so important in winning and losing in this league and just learning how to play together learning how to practice together setting the the standards you know for this football team and so certainly yeah you you'd love to have everybody here especially when there was none of this last year lafleur was asked whether this was a coordinated effort now, Rowdy's hot take that Rodgers paid for their fines or whatever, or for their lack of getting money, because it was Devontae Adams left half a million dollars on the table, Devin Funchess, he left $50,000, and we're under the guise that if they do have workout bonuses, or those you know bonuses to show up for that stuff, it would be around five, well, $50,000. Think about it. We had uh, sports director Zach Heilpern on about when he was up at the training camp at the end of last week. Mm-hmm. Remember how he said it was like, oh, yeah, they didn't have very many guys. Now, this was rookie and first-year players or new players. Yeah, but there was not a lot of people there. But there was only 22 guys there, and practices were about an hour. Yeah, these wouldn't practices you, were 90 minutes. Wouldn't you show up for about a week worth of work that was, we'll say, about an hour to two hours long, to one get- time a day, to get $500,000? Or even if it was $50,000. Hell, I think for us, even if it was five hundred. dollars we would be there. Rowdy, not only would I show up, but I would be on Lombardi time. I would show up at minimum 50 minutes early to make sure I was counted to get my $500,000. Even if they were asking just to, you know, in in just uh, shoulder pads and helmets, you would show up fully dressed with your gloves on, ready to catch some out of the... Uh, 
out of the uh, Rowdy, I w- <laughs> the, the, the the jug machine. I would be so uh, making sure that I was counted as there that I would be like Willie Mays Hayes. Now <laughs> Willie Mays Hayes, they pulled him out and put him out on the cot to say he was cut. But I would literally sleep on a cot out there on the practice field to make sure that I was seen as the first person there and the last person. You're to the leave. person that's asking all the questions to Matt Lafleur. Raise my hand every time. Coach, do you want us to do it this way? To the point where my people around me be like, "Would you shut up, dude, and stop asking questions?" I, I just got to make sure Coach, I'm seen. Did you? Attendance, I am here. Just, I am here. Matt LaFleur was asked, though, if if this wide receiver absence was a coordinated effort. I really don't know. Again, I've had individual conversations with, with each guy, and but never once has that come up. I really Play don't that again know. real quick, please. There you go. I really don't know. Again, I've had individual conversations with, with each guy, and but never once has that come up. It almost sounded like just the way he said it. Obviously, this is trying to read between the lines. He here. wasn't going to cry again, was he? It, it, it almost sounded like he's like he. If you asked me, it was like, "Oh, was that a coordinated effort?" Be like, you know, I I don't know, because you, you were really questioning something. He almost just the way he said it, in the manner he said it. Again, this is reading between the lines. It's almost like he probably figures, yeah, it was. Just listen to his voice. Well, now it's not. Now it's not playing. It's just spinning. Of course. Yeah. Oh, 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 Lafleur, you're starting to say something. Right, it's just spinning, Rowdy. Right, but you would think that guys would – it's going to randomly play here because my mouse just keeps spinning, uh, so be warned. But, Rowdy, you'd think it would be something where the guys would want to get reps with Jordan Love because if Aaron Rodgers – if this keeps going the way it's going, I do you really see Rodgers playing? If this keeps going this way, of this little pissing match – do you really see Rodgers showing up? Okay, I also thought about this. Why would you want to get reps of Jordan Love? Thank you, computer. Yes, Rowdy? I thought about this yesterday with, um, you know how Aaron Rodgers made the comments about, well, he says it's not Jordan Love wasn't the issue. The pick wasn't the issue, man. Yeah. But uh, obviously the pick was the issue when you're talking about how my MVP season threw a wrench into it. Yes. And that he's talking about the front office's plan. Uh-huh. Obviously, it it does stem uh, stem from that pick. But uh, what I was thinking about was, do you remember watching the Last Dance with Michael Jordan? I do. Where Aaron Rodgers was so fired up last year, and he won an MVP award because they drafted Jordan Love. He needed that little bit of an edge, I guess, to get him really going again. Yeah. Remember when Michael Jordan was playing like a no-name nobody that like said one thing to him? Yeah, and Jordan just got like livid. Yeah, and then it it turns out he told like all these other people that he was saying all this other stuff. Yeah, and he he made it all up. Yeah, Jordan made it all up. What if what if Aaron Rodgers is like making up in some sick way, twisted world, was making all this up just to give himself more motivation when he came back? Like like. The Packers I know like, I know people that live in a fantasy world in their own mind, Rowdy, where they do stuff like that. That's what I'm saying. And, and Michael Jordan even said he did it. Michael Jordan did it. And he's been comparing himself to the Michael Jordans. Well, Rodgers ain't no Michael Jordan. Well, has he not used that comparison? It's not yes. what we think if he's well, yeah, Michael but he Jordan, was calling, but in his own mind if he thinks he is. Dude, Aaron Rodgers not only calling Brian Gutekunst Jerry Krause from The Last Dance, but now Rodgers, like you said, Jordan admitting that he'd made that stuff up to get psyched up. Maybe Rodgers, well, this is like his favorite documentary of all time is The Last Dance, and he's modeling everything of Michael Jordan. I'm going to call my GM Jerry Krause. I'm going to make up, like, weird situations that inspire me and get my chip on his shoulder. 
I'm gonna pay for guys to yeah. Start I, I, don't, out the I don't have that chip anymore because they the chip that they uh, I used was the the draft pick of Jordan Love, and now Jordan Love really isn't the guy that's going to push me. I just want MVP. I need another chip. I'm now creating this made up situation. So many, so many onions of this this many layers of this I mean, onion. It doesn't matter if uh, we don't think he's Michael Jordan, as long as he thinks he's Michael Jordan. I think he's more Carl Malone in this. <laughs> All right. As the wheel of cheese turns, the Green Bay Packers, man. This one a little more interesting yesterday in Packers OTAs as five of these six wide receivers did not show up. Devontae Adams leaves $500,000, yes, half a million on the table for a workout bonus, says, eh, I don't need that. Devin Funches forfeits $50,000 for his bonus. Yeah, I don't need that. And also, not only Funches, but some of these other guys, um, like Funches, for a prime example, didn't take part of these activities last year because there was none, right? COVID-19 shut it all down. And now you would think if you were uh, this guy who literally has not stepped on the field for the Packers at all, you'd think you'd want to be doing this, getting reps and rapport with your teammates. But uh, Rowdy, Rodgers... No surprise, was not there. His first time doing this, actually. Usually shows up for these OTAs. Not there. Rodgers also left half a million dollars on the table. Uh, Matt LaFleur afterwards was asked about Aaron Rodgers, and the question was, how do they fix the Rodgers deal and get him back? Here's more from the head coach. Aaron definitely knows how we feel about him, you know, how he's such an important part to our football team, such an important part to our organization. And, you know, we're just going to continue to try to work through this and hopefully can get him back in the building at some point. Well, it's nice that LaFleur didn't start bubbling up and crying almost. So that's a step in the right direction for Matt LaFleur. But he says this, Rowdy. Aaron definitely knows how we feel about him. Aaron definitely knows how we feel about him. Well, if that's the case... How come Aaron Rodgers isn't reporting the Packers OTAs? And how come he's out there basically saying, screw Mark Murphy and or screw Brian Gutekunst and kind of Mark Murphy? I saw a really interesting tweet about Brian Gutekunst the other day. I'm listening. And it said that basically, I can't remember whose tweet it was. It was a Packer beat writer. The Big J? But uh, Blue it, check it mark basically, brigade? it was saying how across the league... Brian Gutekunst is a respected guy. He's 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 a guy that is known for having good relationships with other um, NFL executives and or coworkers. Yeah, and that this is really surprising, being that this has come out uh, basically that it's about Aaron Rodgers and Brian Gutekunst. So so the 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 league perception around across the league is that Brian Gutekunst is a good guy, and he's well respected. And he's good with maintaining relationships. He's a relationship-based guy. So I've never heard anything bad about Brian Gutekunst at all leading up to this I point. I wish I knew who tweeted this. But you've never heard anything bad about Goody leading up to this point, right? No. We've heard a lot of things about Rodgers and his, obviously, lack of ability to keep a relationship or have relationships. And he's always got this chip on his shoulder. And he's pre- kind of perceived as a prima donna, kind of a a for lack of a better word, douchier kind of guy, right? That's the perception of Rodgers, correct? I'm not wrong in that, am I? Mm-mm. Hmm. So that's why... So maybe this is a Rodgers problem. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's uh, Obviously, Matt LaFleur seems like he's the guy that's stuck in the middle, right? Yeah. He's the head coach that wants, obviously, the reigning MVP back, obviously the future Hall of Famer back, and he's kind of uh, the guy that's on the fence between management and the players. Yes. 
but I feel like when you listen to some of the reports that come out, especially when you're talking to colleagues of uh, Brian Gutekunst or other executives in the league that are in conversations with him or have been around him but aren't necessarily in his front office yeah. that are saying these things, it's almost as if, like I said, Aaron Rodgers is making this uh, in. He's like he's making he's a chip making, on his shoulder. He's making this he's making the drama. Two different sides at ends with each other because it's it's from what it sounds like. Obviously, the Green Bay Packers drafted Jordan Love because they liked him, and maybe they thought that Aaron Rodgers was starting to decline decline a little bit. Sure. He is getting older. He has broken collarbones. He has had some injuries, and they made the pick. Now, granted, a lot of us. We're scratching our heads that night, whether you even like Jordan Love or not, because one, they traded up to go get Jordan Love Two, They didn't need to go and trade up to get Jordan Love. He was going to follow them anyways. Yes. So obviously they liked him. Now, I would say the majority of us, after you come back the next season and are the best quarterback in football, win the MVP. If they came to you and said, okay, we're regrouping like that was our mistake. We, to be completely honest, we thought you were starting to fall a little bit. Yeah. And we're going to change our strategy from here on out. Wouldn't you think the majority of people are like, almost like you proved them wrong. So you, you yeah. have the satisfaction and you're like, perfect. All right, let's go all in and win a Super Bowl. Yeah. So got you, MFers. I feel like uh, Aaron Rodgers was the opposite of that. Aaron Rodgers was the, well, you still drafted him and blah, 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 blah. And now I showed you and now. A hundred percent. No, I'm going to hold the grudge. And, and it's almost like a grudge that the Green Bay Packers haven't said anything because they don't have anything to say as in they want him there. They like, know dude, he's under contract. Like, dude, what do we got? to Like, in, you're making up all these scenarios in your mind to be mad at us about what? See, I feel like the Packers have played this really well because they haven't really said anything. And then Rodgers comes out and it's all about, well, it's for the I'm for the people. It's all about the people. People, this people. Have anyone? Have you guys sat down and thought about what Rogers' comments were from Monday night? I was thinking last night. I'm laying in bed and I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I'm like, what the hell did he even mean with his comments about it's about the people, it's for the people. What does that even mean? You're a foot. It's a football team. The only people you're hurting right now are your own teammates. Like it's, it's you're hurting the progression of your team. You're hurting the progression of you know getting back to the Super Bowl and hoisting Vince Lombardi's trophy. You're making a riff in the locker room with all these quote unquote people. What 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 does his comments actually mean? It was a word salad full of nothing. It was this comments to make himself look like some kind of hero of the Green Bay Packers that were going to save save the people from their oppressors. That's Brian Gutekunst and Mark Murphy. Mark Murphy's an idiot. Don't get me wrong. Mark Murphy is a dumbass. He looks like Howdy Doody. Like he's Alfred E. Newman from Mad Magazine. But what what, what is he saving these people from? What does he mean? It's, it's not about the building. It's not about the organization. It's about the people. I've seen a lot of good guys come and go. That's the business. That's what football is. You have a finite amount of years where you're chewed up and then spit out. And he's been lucky enough to be around for 15 years most guys don't get past four. It's about the people. Well, the people come and go. The average career of an NFL player is three and a half years. The people, they come and go. I think it is about the name. It is about the building. It is about, essentially, not to sound like a, the corporation, if you will. That's the words Rogers used. 
When we think about the Packers, do you think about the 13-time NFL championship with the G? That stands for greatness? Or do you think of one individual player, i.e. Aaron Rodgers? It's for the people. What does it even mean? Let's go to the phones. Who's this? Good morning, boys. What's good? What's Chad, good? what's happening, my man? You're my people. Hey, look, I, I, I agree with you to an extent. I think that Aaron Rodgers looked a, a little laissez-faire in that, in that interview with Kenny Mayne. I think he was just smoking on me, the hippie's lettuce, and he got a little well, uh, philosophical, which, hey, happens to the best of us. Yeah, I was doing something. He was either that rolling, rolling balls or whatever, <laughs> smoking the hippie lettuce. But um, I will say this. You know, I, I heard Cowherd, and I typically listen to him. I heard him the other day saying, Look at what the Chiefs did from Oh, Chad. Um, Russell Wilson this offseason. Look at what uh, Buffalo has done for uh, Josh Allen, the young kid coming up. Uh, I think what he's tr- the point he's trying to make is that these teams, because they have owners, cater to their quarterback because it's a quarterback-driven league. And I, the Packers certainly bungled this situation with Rodgers, and if anyone – I mean, look at even the even the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Tom Brady's older than me. He's forty three. I'm forty two. You know, like they rolled out the red carpet for him and won a Super Bowl and got things done. And then they re up this off season. So I guess the question is: Yes, Rogers does look like an idiot. But what what prevents the Green Bay Packers from doing that? Is it the culture? Is it that there's no owner? Uh, they should be. They should at least at least try to take some steps toward him. Well, Chad, if you think about and, it, like what's what what more does he want? You like Mike McCarthy was there, eight NFC North championships. You've been to four NFC championship games. You got to a Super Bowl. You won it. Then Matt Lafleur comes in. You get the two back to back NFC championship games. You're winning the NFC North. You know you, this time, the last time you got it through Lambeau Field. You couldn't have asked for anything more. And you're one game away from the Super Bowl two years in a row. It's like I don't. What else? Like obviously, winning the Super Bowl is the end game. But the, right. the front office can only do so much to get you into these positions. I would figure if you get to one game away from the Super Bowl, I don't know how many freaking times the Packers were there, you'd eventually would look at your players and the guy that leads the team and be like, okay, well, you haven't gotten over the hump since 2010, 2011. Well, I think it was on this show, and it may have been a young lad named Nelson who pointed out the fact that in the last 10 years, how many receivers they've picked, and how many, of the ones they've picked, how many have really panned out. So, I mean, I, I understand what you're saying, but at some point you have to open up the pocketbook and say, let's just get a guy, another guy on the other side of the line that that is a, a Agreed. I agree. I agree. Devontae Adams. Adams, you know, the best in the game, arguably the best wide receiver out there. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, I was always told his entire career that he makes the wide receiver. So why is it that in the big-time NFC Championship games he can't get over the hump since 2010-2011? That, that truly only goes so far. I mean, if he makes the wide receiver, remember at one point, again, this is on this show, he had Jordy Nelson, Donald Driver, James Jones, uh, Greg Jennings, and uh, Jermichael Finley all on the same roster at the same time. Yeah. I mean, they were stacked top to bottom. So you could take it either way. I'm kind of a, you know, the world is, is a lot of people see it as black and white, and they want to take a side. Well, it's, yeah, that's neighbor, not the case, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of gray, and so yeah. it's like the, both sides need to come together, I think, eventually. Totally. Can, just, couldn't, couldn't agree more, Chad. Yep. All right, boys. Well, thanks, brother. See you, man. Yep, there he is. Good stuff from Chad. See, I just thought it was really funny when we played those comments on Monday from Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. With the Kenny, or was it Monday or Tuesday? Uh, we played it uh, Tuesday. Tuesday. Yesterday. And a lot of callers sounded off. And basically, we're upset about when he's using the phrase 
the people, the people, mm-hmm. and going off because they're like, what, is, what the hell is he talking about? He's not for the, the people. The people. It's like, you wouldn't have a beer with me. You would look down yeah. your nose at me. He's all about, like, obviously his statistics. That's why he threw the ball away more than he probably should have in certain times. Yeah. He's all about the records or his, his stats and Super Bowl rings. We all know this. Mm-hmm. That's why I do think it's kind of funny when he uses the people because it's almost like his him trying to extend an arm to be like help me support me yeah stick up for me like, but then i always think of and now i might be getting a little more cynical when i've gotten jaded, older jaded but um have you ever seen the movie a bronx tale <laughs> yes i have when when uh the gangster sonny pulls the little kid in yeah and he's all upset about mickey mantle yeah and he asks him why are you upset about Mickey Mantle? He makes a hundred thousand dollars a year. How much does your dad make? Uh-huh. And he, and the kid, like, says some non-answer. Just kind of looks at him, and he goes, "If your dad can't pay the rent, go ask Mickey Mantle if he'll pay it for you." Mickey Mantle don't care about you. Yeah, Why no, do you care I, about him? Exactly. Rogers makes more money than all the guys at top combined. But it's about the people. Let's go to the phones again. Welcome to the show. Who's this? Vagabond John. Vagabond John. Hey, what's up, baby? Wisconsin. What's happening, homie? Well, I'm not a big fan on listener on listener crime, but the last guy, I'm just so sick and tired of this. Well, maybe we should have got him more receivers. He had Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson for more than one year. And we, last time I checked, we only had one Super Bowl. And gosh darn it, I'm a big Packer fan, but I'll be the first to admit we probably have that Super Bowl because Jay Cutler got injured. Aaron Rodgers threw zero touchdowns and two Oh, my God. Hey, Vigamadani, go look game. up the NFC Championship game against the Chicago Bears. Aaron Rodgers was awful. So don't give me this, oh, he'll be better with more receivers. That's absolute bullcrap. The reason why he has a ring is because of a guy who broke his neck named Nick Collins and because of a guy that shattered his femur named Desmond Bishop and because they had a bunch of all pros on the defensive side. Last year, we had the Packers. I don't, I don't like to use the word "we" because I'm trying to disassociate. I do not play for the Packers, but and I do not own the Packers. I suppose you could use "we" if you own some. Just go but ahead. the Packers, the Packers had the number one offense in the league, and then you have fans all off season sitting here talking about, oh, maybe we should have got another weapon. Yeah, so that we could have been even better than the number one offense in the league. <laughs> Everybody, like for like, what the hell are we talking about? Jesus. I mean, We're talking about the people. It's all about the people, Johnny. It's all about the people. And then to make your point that you just said, uh, I, I was on the Bleacher Report. Again, you can find me at Wet Socks, absolutely tearing into people. You're always in getting after it on the Bleacher Report. I love it. Yeah, but the people will say, well, this is kind of like a, a corporation versus their workers scenario. And I'm like, that's the biggest load of crap. Aaron Rodgers is a corporation. He is a brand. I think he has his own he logo. Has, he has a ton of money that he makes from endorsements. He makes, as you just said, he makes more than everybody above him combined. Unless you can show me the employees at Walmart make more than the people at the top combined, <laughs> don't tell me that these guys are, this is a, a corporation versus workers' rights thing. It's an absolute load of garbage. But uh, anyways, Walmart CEO up. got paid out $23.6 million last year. He saw a 3.6% pay increase from the year before. Yeah, exactly. So, and I think Rogers is going to see a pay increase again. So, we'll see how it all shakes out at the end of the day. I'm excited for Big Bobby Tunyon. I'm excited for Aaron Jones coming back. Although 
I don't know if you guys saw the picture. He definitely looks like A.J. Dillon's little brother. That's all right. Oh, I saw I saw the big Jays fawning over yeah. A.J. Dillon's uh, butt and thighs again, by the way. It is, it, they're, they're awesome. They're, they're, thick. Awesome. they're thick with two Cs, baby. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, we'll see, talk to you. See you, buddy. Yeah, I mean, listen, I'm not going to go. I love the fact that the Packers won the Super Bowl. Don't get me wrong. But if you go to that NFC Championship game, people forget about this. Rodgers, zero touchdowns, two interceptions, 17 of 30. He had a quarterback rating or a rating of 55.4. Rowdy, it's not that good. He, he rushed for a touchdown. Don't, well, yeah, don't he, take that away. He's from. played in now, what, five NFC Championship games, and he's played well in about two of them? Yeah. So. I know. I heard a, a different show yesterday. Really defending Rodgers tooth and nail in NFC Championship games. He's he, go look at the numbers. He's really not that great in NFC Championship games. That's just that is what it is. He's great getting there, but in an NFC Championship game, he, all right. So I just don't. I don't. You know, we. I was thinking about what does Rodgers? What do his comments really mean? What was he saying on Monday? Just sounded like the dude hit the doobie and then started just spouting off some philosophy one hundred and one classes. You know. Socrates, Aristotle, Plato were like, you just butchered all of our teachings, dude. We the people, as Vagabond Johnny just said, you are a corporation. Makes more money than everyone. You guys have got more money than God. He is a corporation, Rowdy. <laughs> I'm not a business. What is it? Uh, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. That's Rogers. 